Hello, hello, and welcome back, or welcome for the first time to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett, and I am a child therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina, and this is a podcast dedicated to children and play therapy, coming at both of those things from a child-centered perspective. And today on the podcast, I wanted to talk about attention and focus, and those things generally get labeled under... ADHD, which is short for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. And I want to guide this conversation. That's not really a conversation. It's really just me talking, pretending that it's a conversation. But I want to guide it towards talking about focus generally, not getting too caught up in the diagnosis or how often that diagnosis is given and to whom it's given to and why. Those are all interesting and important questions, but I just want to talk about attention and focus generally with children and the way that I view it myself through a therapeutic lens. And because we're talking about people, we might as well talk about the unconscious because the majority of what we as an organism do all the time, whether that's in our physical bodies and the systems in our body and all of the regulation and balancing and rhythms that our body goes through, all of that's unconscious. And also everything else that's stored inside of us. And by that, what I mean is that whatever your attention is focused on is occupying your conscious mind. Everything else at that point is inside of your unconscious. An easy and simple way to talk about the unconscious is just to say that, I don't know if any of you have had the experience of being in a situation or a place that you've been in before, and then it makes it easier to access all of these different kinds of memories about that thing. Or maybe you'll start telling a story or someone else will start telling a story and you were there and you start to remember more and more of it as your attention is in that area. An iceberg, I was about to use an iceberg as an example for this of that the top of it is conscious and the bottom is unconscious, but that's not even a great example because it would be more like the tiniest tiny tip of the iceberg is out of the water, maybe like a little rock on the top of the iceberg. That's your consciousness, and everything else is outside of your consciousness. It's unconscious. And what focus is, more or less, is being able to keep your attention and concentration on that small rock on top of the larger iceberg that is you, to keep it on that and not on any of the things around you or anything else that's happening inside of you and to be able to maintain that focus for, you know, as long as you want or as long as you're expected to. Someone who has good focus, someone who has good concentration and attention is well-versed at forgetting everything else that's happening within and without to put all of their energy into that thing. And that seems to be something that for many of us, gets easier and we become more skilled at that art of forgetting which is focus the more that we develop that it's easier for a six-year-old to focus than a three-year-old it's easier for a nine-year-old than a six-year-old or for a teenager than a nine-year-old or you know whatever you like you can keep continuing that up to some extent and 
Therefore, children in general aren't super well-trained in the art of focus and also seem to have a more difficult ability in being able to put their intention into, attention into something and not be caught up in something else. Now, in child-centered play therapy, and as a child-centered therapist, I respect that. I respect that their mind is moving. I respect that they're in this place of curiosity about things, or on the other hand, that they have had something come up inside of them an emotion or whatever else, and that that thing cannot be ignored. When I see a child who is having a hard time paying attention, it often seems to be a result of the fact that they are experiencing something which they do not feel capable of ignoring, and to the degree that we can, I just want to hold that with curiosity and on some level to honor that to honor that. Because when that comes up in a session, when that emotion comes up in a session inside of a therapeutic space where the entire intention of that space is to help this child develop, that's very noticeable to me and notable to me. If a child's attention keeps getting interrupted by something that is flaring up inside of them, some emotion that's flaring up inside of them, or if a child is so focused on the things around them, that maybe they're startled easily or they're, they're distracted or they get interested and they're curious about all these different kinds of things. All of that inside of a child-centered session is worth going with because that's where their attention is being drawn and that's where their being is being drawn. And we can facilitate something around that or we can be able to reflect that or call attention to that. Whatever's happening with that is the thing to address and not say whatever we were trying to get them to focus on or whatever they were focused on that we thought was important previously. But what's happening to these children is that something in them is being resurrected. Some emotion in them keeps flaring up. Something is internally getting in the way of their ability to focus. And that's because there's something inside of them that demands to be known and demands to not be forgotten. It demands to have a witness. It demands that its lesson be learned, that it's not left isolated, that it's integrated into the being. And without that, it's going to keep coming back and keep popping up. And so then this next part is what breaks my heart the most when I see it happen, because I think we can do better. But... When a child is having a hard time paying attention, they're often told to get back to what they were doing and, and focus, that uh, they're not supposed to be distracted in whatever way that they're distracted at the moment, and then they go back to what they're doing, and maybe they get distracted again, and they're told they need to pay attention, and then suddenly they have this problem with attention and maybe a problem with authority also as a result, and they're receiving some animosity around this thing, and... I don't want to suggest that there's anything wrong with helping someone build that attention muscle. I don't want to suggest that redirecting children back on task is a bad thing. I don't, I don't feel that way. But I also hope that as adults, we're able to just hold that, okay, this child keeps having something come up in them that is making it difficult for them to pay attention and that that thing is worthy of being addressed and can be addressed right now and can be held 
right now. And that immediately pushing someone back into that task without at least witnessing that in ourselves, like, ooh, even if we're not, maybe addressing it isn't the right way to say it, but I think if we can notice and hold and just see them in that, that it's like, man, this is not going super well for them because this thing keeps coming up and that that thing is important, that things that come up inside of people are important. They're not things to be dismissed. They're not things to be ignored. They're not things to be just angrily shut down. They're valuable pieces of the human experience. And we can also take some time to reflect on the fact that, let's say you took school out of the equation for children, which seems crazy, but you know, like for the majority of human history, school was not really a thing that existed for children. Uh, it's, a, it's a relatively new invention in terms of the span of human life. But even if you just took school off the table for, for the modern world, let's, let's not even look at the history of school. I think that we would see a dramatic reduction in diagnoses regarding attention. And I say that to also name that, you know, when I was a kid, and if you were a kid and you sung this song now, you would probably have a SWAT team at your school in a second. But I remember being a kid and having songs that we would sing about the school burning down and that it was just kind of understood among everyone I knew that we all didn't like school. Are there exceptions to that? Absolutely. Am I saying school isn't worthwhile? No, no. Am I wanting to also hold that with curiosity? Wanting to also at least name that as someone who takes children's feelings seriously, that children by and large really don't like school at all. And they, it's not unanimous, but, but the number of children I know who just vehemently hate school, the fact that my caseload, I get so many less calls and referrals during the summer than I do during the school year. And even have some clients I see who come in less frequently in the summer because it's an easier time in their homes. And so I I think that that feels important to say, too, that you could make the case, and I'm just saying it to say it, that the diagnosis itself, the ADHD diagnosis, is a byproduct of the education system. And that without the education system, that who knows what that would look like in terms of diagnoses and who knows what child therapy would look like and how we might even change in what we do because a lot of the things that we're presented with are issues that occur in school that don't happen at home. And I think all of that together ties into my greatest fear and that my greatest fear is that if concentration is the art of forgetting, And if a child is having trouble with concentration, and they are having trouble with concentration because there's something in them that demands to not be forgotten, but that when that thing arises and arises and arises, that we give them tools to try to keep having that thing not exist. We pathologize them for not being able to focus and then often medicate them in a continued attempt to have that thing be pressed down. And in child-centered play therapy, 
I'm sure in many other kinds of therapy, I've watched children being able to grow in their attention and focus through being able to move through those things and have those things witnessed inside of the room. I've watched children be able to continue in the slow movement until that thing becomes less and less and suddenly they they can choose where to focus their attention and they can choose where to focus their attention from a place of integration, from a place of having assimilated that other thing, from a place of being able to grow with it and grow through it and receive the lesson or receive whatever it is that all of us receive when we feel more one with ourselves and don't have a thing that just keeps pressing at the surface of our consciousness demanding to be known. And the kind of beautiful and crazy thing about it is that with safety and with love and with intention and with acceptance and with some structure and some boundaries, those things can be moved through relatively easily and they can be moved through at the pace and at the discretion and with the guidance and leadership of the child's unconscious, of what's coming up inside of their unconscious, and that's to say with the child, whatever's coming up with them in the room, to be able to move through all those steps and stages of whatever steps and stages they need to move through to have that thing come up in them less because that thing is known. And I work with and know a lot of families who are having to get creative this school year thing lots of school is virtual and people are at home and they're trying to juggle all kinds of things people are forming really cool homeschool pods and others are struggling it's hard it's not quite working out the way that they would like for it to and they don't have the support that they need and I, I wanted to name that to express that I'm aware of the struggle with that while also offering a silver lining or a potential silver lining, and that's that my hope is that at home, there's not a huge classroom, there's a little bit less of a schedule, maybe there's often times when the child won't be, there might be muted or something like that, there's, there's less of that being in the classroom and having to manage a classroom, and that some of that stuff for children when they're just home on their own can be brought up and moved through, brought up and moved through more effectively, that there's potentially for some more time with parents where parents would be able to to name and see what's going on for their child and help witness it and support them with it and provide them some structures that work for them. Maybe there's more flexibility in the school day to move with the child's natural curiosity and that is still another side of focus and concentration when we're talking about not just being able to focus on what someone else wants you to focus on, but also being able to focus on what are the things that I'm drawn to? What are the things that light me up inside? What are the things that I feel curious about? And can I have focus there as well? And we can argue that perhaps... Being able to focus on what other people want you to focus on is more important, is the more important focus. I I don't think that it is personally for me. I think that both are really needed and being able to cultivate a relationship to both is needed. And I also believe that having that practice of focusing on what lights us up and what we're drawn to, and I think this is true for children, raises their ability to focus in other times on things that people are asking them to focus on and even helps them in those instances to see 
to find their own spark, to find their own curiosity in what's presented to them by other people, that it's not just cultivating focus, but that once that focus is there, it's being able to enter into something with attention and curiosity and develop a relationship to it. And I think that children learn that first by being able to follow their own attention and being able to follow their own curiosity. And so maybe there's some space for that for some families inside of this school year where things look a little bit different because while being able to focus on what other people want you to focus on is obviously important, there's so much more that goes into someone's attention. And for many children, there's something that might need to be addressed that keeps coming up inside of them that they can't push to the side and just forget before they can enter into deeper participation in whatever someone's trying to get them to do. And that's all I've got for this episode of Playtime. Thank you for listening. This episode is offered in the spirit of the gift. So it's free, like all podcasts. (laughs) But if you feel pulled to help me out with the show and provide some assistance, there is a link to my Patreon page in the show notes and if you'd like to see more of my work head over to barnettchildtherapy.com and yep i will catch you all next time